0: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, brought to you, of course, by our great friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure to check out all the great Georgia gear that Alumni Hall has to offer either online at alumnihall.com or here in the Classic City inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center. You know you need to get that 2023 game day gear, and there's no better place to do that than at Alumni Hall. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and back with me for one last episode before he takes the plunge into married life is my co-host, Curtis. Kurt, we are recording this on Sunday, so this time next week, you will be a married man where is your head at one week out from the big day
1: i'm just excited at this point you know all the as i think i had mentioned before but all the other decisions and heavy lifting's done so now it's time to just enjoy it
0: like this week like the wedding week is it not kind of like, kind of wild itself
1: um it hasn't hit yet i don't think i'm there quite yet okay
0: okay yeah a brief reprieve here before I guess wedding week starts. i got like 12 more hours, maybe possibly something like that.
1: Yeah, some, something around, around there. Something
0: like that. It's exciting. It's exciting all the way around. But with the wedding, with the honeymoon, that means Curtis is going to be MIA here for a couple of weeks. So we've got to send him out with a bang today. And we figured what better way to do that than by previewing every single position battle that will be decided through the course of fall camp, which, oh, by the way, opens this Thursday August 3rd let's freaking go we've got some real hardcore football talk today here for you boys and girls and there is not one thing on this earth that gets me more excited than that real quick though I do just want to quickly remind you guys about our YouTube channel we started that last week got one video up we've got a great reception on that I really 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 appreciate each and every one of you that have taken time to subscribe and like the videos and hey comment too I want to hear from you guys as well anyone who's watched it thank you so much for that I'm working on the second video right now. I should have that up for you guys. Monday night is what I'm shooting for. So if you haven't subscribed, never too late. All good. Jump on there, hit that subscribe button. It'll take you, what, three seconds maybe? Hit that like button. And I cannot thank you guys enough for that. But okay, enough of that. We've got some football to talk about. So let's dive right into it and let's kick things off with the offensive side of the ball. And I want to start with the quarterback position here, Curtis. I think we know who the quarterback is going to be. I don't think that's any sort of mystery within the fan base right now. But given the importance of the position and the fact that Kirby has still not officially named a starter, and you know, he probably won't. We'll probably find out officially, officially who the starter is going to be week one against Tennessee Martin based on whoever trots out there with the first team offense. I'm fairly certain it's going to be Carson Beck. I think you're fairly certain it's going to be Carson Beck, Curse! I think most of our listeners out there think it's going to be Carson Beck. But saying that, I don't want to just gloss over it because again, the competition is not officially over. So how much of a competition do you actually think this quarterback quote-unquote battle is going into fall camp?
1: I don't think it's much of a competition at all. I think that that's just is- always has been kirby's mentality and mo when it comes to competitions in general um he's never really ready to hand it i think the only time he's ever done that was jt daniels and um when and when he did that a couple years ago i remember we were all very shocked and surprised that he took that approach so but for um outside that one occurrence every time there's been a competition it feels like this is how he's handled it and so i think he's going to keep that uh, mentality but i do believe it is carson beck's job
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point that it is Carson Beck's job. Um, he got the vast majority of the reps with the number one office, not, not exclusively reps in the number one office, but at least the, uh, the entire first half of G Day. And he performed very, very well. We know he was the number two quarterback last year. Stetson Bennett performed really well when he got opportunities to play last year. He's been in the program for three years now. And look, Vandegrift's been in the program. This is his third year in the program. So he's been around for a while, too. But I think all signs right now point to Carson Beck. Now, does that mean it's a done deal? Not necessarily. I I do think that Kirby legitimately is going to allow this competition to carry over at least for a couple of weeks into fall camp and see if Brock can make a push, maybe Gunner. I mean, I I don't think that's going to be the case, but I I think these guys have a shot because Kirby, I, I think he preaches what he, I think he practices what he preaches here when it comes to, this culture of competition, I really do believe that. Now, I do think that Carson has a a clear leg up in the competition. I do think he is the best quarterback right now for this team. So, even if it is a legitimate competition, I still have confidence that he's going to win the job based off what I've seen from all three of those quarterbacks at this point. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I think it's um I don't want to I don't want to say it's like a hundred percent done deal because I don't think that's necessarily true. But like maybe a ninety nine percent done deal. Are you there with me?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I'm okay with those odds.
0: Yeah, I mean, barring something crazy, it's going to be Carson Beck. And, and crazy things happen. They do happen. But right now, I'm I'm putting my money on Carson Beck to be that guy at quarterback. All right, Kurt, let's move along here, and let's go to the running back position. Now, this is an interesting spot here. With all the injuries that we have been dealing with at this position, Carson, and the list is long, I do think this is a really intriguing battle, not even necessarily to determine like, who RB1 is going to be, but the entire pecking order going into week one is basically everybody in the backfield has dealt with some injury or another over the course of the last six months, whether it's an ACL, whether it's a hamstring, whatever it might be, a, guy or a foot injury, guys have dealt with injuries. They've all been banged up to some degree, except for maybe Roger Robinson. But how much of a competition, Curtis, like when you, let me ask you this. When when you look at this competition, who do you see as the leader in the clubhouse going into fall camp?
1: I'd like to go with Dejan Edwards.
0: Really? So you think he would be the first guy to try out there against Tennessee Martin?
1: I do. Well, I mean, you got to take into account the injury to Branson Robinson, and then also with Kendall Milton's history, it kind of right now makes him as the, you know, dependable back.
0: All right, well, let me ask you this. So let's say if Kendall is able, and this is a huge if, knock on wood, praying for the guy. If Kendall is able to make it through fall camp injury-free, which would be awesome, would you still say that Dejan Edwards would be the guy that gets the nod as, as the— as the starter running back to open the season?
1: I would not at that point.
0: Okay, so you're you're kind of projecting that you think something's going to happen to Kendall because something always seems to happen to Kendall.
1: Kind of taking that approach, but also just the same approach to that. I could also see them rewarding um, Dejan for yeah. being that way.
0: Who's just, I mean, all the guy does, as we said all last year, all he does when he gets opportunities is make plays. Is he the biggest? Is he the fastest? The strongest? No, not any of those things. But the dude makes plays, he finds a way and he works, man. He's one of those quiet, quiet leaders. He doesn't really lead like vocally, but he leads by example in the team and just does things the right way. So I love Dejan Nevers, and I'd be okay with that. I mean, I think Dejan does a really good job for us. Uh, I would think if Kendall Milton can stay healthy, I do think that he will be the guy to get the first reps at running back to open the season. And that's a projection. I don't know. I mean, it very well could be Dejan Edwards, right? You're right, Curtis. Like this guy has just been a rock for us, at least he was last year. When we needed somebody to score, we needed somebody in short yard situations, going situations, who did we turn to? It was Edwards, and he delivered, man. So it it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think Kendall would probably be my bet right now. And I guess we should address the elephant in the room. We've mentioned this a little bit over the past couple of weeks. There's a reason we're not talking about Branson Robinson right now, Curtis, right?
1: Yeah, he, you know, had that surgery towards the end of spring practice, and there's a lot of uncertainty of when he will even be back.
0: Right. So if he was healthy and he didn't have the lower extremity injury at the, at the tail end of fall of spring practice, which is, which is just, God, it's unfortunate, Curtis, because I mean, this guy was tearing it up through the vast majority of the spring, the tail end of the spring, just before G day goes down with a lower extremity injury has a surgery and it has been a bumpy road for him. I'm just letting you guys know, it has not been an easy recovery. He's not going to be full go to open fall camp here this week. Uh, I am hopeful at some point he will be full go, you know, at some point in fall camp. I don't know that though. And I don't think the coaches do that right now. I really, a lot of it depends on how the injury reacts because like they're going to start ramping up his activity. You know, you're going to do some bike stuff. You're going to run on the side a little bit, do some pool stuff, all that kind of stuff. You're going to ramp up the activity. You just got to see how the injury responds. You just don't know. So I'm hopeful, but there's also a very real chance that he is not ready to take any snaps. They're not fully cleared to take snaps when the season opens. I hope that's not the case, but right now, I mean, I just I can't count that. So like, if he's fully cleared to go and like, let's say he has two full weeks of fall camp to practice and ramp up, then, yeah, it w- might be him, right? Yeah, that, but, I agree. Yeah, but I, I just I right now there's you're right. I think the word uncertainty is the right workers. There's just so much uncertainty there that I can't in good conscience say, oh, yeah, it's going to be Branson Robinson. If he had not gotten hurt in, in the spring, he would unequivocally be the starter at running back. Like he was that guy, a hundred percent with all the injuries, all the other guys in spring practice, he was taking advantage of that. He was getting all those reps and he was really, really looking good and really coming on that. Of course he himself has to go down with an injury and um, that just sucks. What about Andrew Palkers? This is a guy that as a true freshman last year came in, in the summer, wasn't here at spring, in spring spring practice comes in the summer and really starts to quickly make a name for himself in fall camp, last year then he we know he goes down with injury short before the season starts he missed all of last year he didn't really do anything in the spring but apparently he is going to be fully cleared to go according to kirby smart to open fall camp now he's gonna be in a big brace to start with and you know as as we kind of ramp him up we'll go down to a smaller and smaller brace but do you think he could factor into this battle
1: um it's just hard to imagine he does because you have to take into account the ACL surgery. I mean, he's, yes, probably about almost a year out, but we've seen with quite a few guys that even in that first year back, they have to get over the mental part before they can really get past the physical I think part. I Nick Chubb was
0: the most obvious example of that. like
1: Exactly. He like He was the best he,
0: running back in the country before the injury, like no question. And the dude was averaging like six, seven yards a pop before the injury. He comes back in 2016 quicker than we all thought. He was Superman. And he was good in 2016, but he wasn't the Nick Chubb of before and he wasn't the Nick Chubb of 2017, right? Yeah,
1: he was getting caught from behind quite right.
0: he was just a different guy. He wasn't fully back yet. Yeah. Because I mean I that's, seen that's
1: Andrew Paul. It's just hard to imagine he's really gonna be in a position to push, especially when it was all he was already only a freshman.
0: Yeah, um, that's a concern there. I am I am encouraged by the fact that it is like a full year out from the injury. You know, with Nick, he got hurt against Tennessee in what October that year and came back, so it wasn't a full year of a recovery, it was you know a truncated like nine, ten months, or more like nine, eight, nine months, I guess, for him to come back. Um, so I, I do think the fact that it is a full year because, like, Curtis, these ACL surgeries now, I mean, guys are coming back, you know, and I, like when we were younger, you remember, like, an ACL tear it was like, dude, you might be off like 18 months, like, at least yeah. a year, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was, it was a like a death penalty, time. but now you know with science evolving and improving we've got it down you guys come back in like six seven months it seems like sometimes i mean it, it's not on it's not it's not unprecedented for a guy to come back after a year and be in really good shape now i do think it took nick a while to get back and he wasn't fully himself until you know 2017 but i mean and maybe that's the case for andrew paul but maybe 85 of 90 andrew, percent of andrew paul is a pretty damn good back you know what i mean
1: yeah that's also very fair
0: yeah, so I think he's gonna get a shot. I, I mean, I, with a big old brace in your knee, I don't know how much you can really do with the cutting and planning with the big brace we'll start with. But I think as we kind of pair that brace down to a smaller deal, I think he could be a guy that could take advantage of, some of these opportunities. I mean, again, I think Branson's gonna miss significant time in the fall. Hopefully, Kendall stays healthy. Deion also was banged up in fall in spring practice. Let's not forget that, but he should be full go. So he's gonna get some opportunities. He's gonna get some carries, and I'm really interested to see what he can do. Because again, he was a guy. This time last year, that was really making waves. It was like working himself into the rotation last year. And then he goes down with the injury. So I'm hopeful. I don't know what version of him we're going to get this year. We'll we'll find out. Um, But he's certainly a name I'll be watching here. Last one I want to mention, Curtis, before we move on to another position. Big, and I mean big, freshman Roderick Robinson coming in from California. This is like the one guy in the right back room that was healthy all spring long. How much of a chance do you give him? to factor into this?
1: um, It's hard to give him a huge chance. The only reason I say that is just because we've seen it over history. It takes some of these young guys a little bit of time to learn and develop their past blocking skills, which is what That's the scary part, is... Yeah. yeah, you don't want to put someone out there. It's the same without, thing with
0: Andrew Paul, too. Yeah, because he I mean, didn't get any reps after after fall camp last year. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's true. But as a runner, though, I mean, he brings us something a little bit different. You know, he's he's a big dude. I'm talking like 230 and he moves well. He's, he's fast enough. He's not like a, a major home run threat, but he's fast enough. But he's got really, really good feet. So I think as a runner, he can give us something. But you're right. With freshmen, it, it all comes down to at the running back position. How quickly can you pick up on the blocking? Because you cannot get a quarterback killed, you know, in Carson Beck. If he doesn't win that job, I think he's gonna be really good for us. But he's not Stetson. He doesn't have that kind of escapability to to kind of escape a, a situation where running back just whiffs on a block. So that that could be tough. So I think that might be what holds him back. As a runner, I do think he's got a shot to 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 make a move to fit into this rotation in some way. So Kurt, last thing here before we move on, let's say that everyone's healthy. Okay, everyone's healthy. No one gets injured in fall camp. Knocking on wood here. What do you think the rotation at running back will look like going into the season? So you think it's going to be Kendall if he stays healthy to start, or maybe Dejan Edwards, but, like, who's going to be in the rotation? Who's actually going to be getting meaningful snaps?
1: Um, I think when it starts, you're going to see Dejan, Kendall, and Roderick.
0: I think I would say I'm confident in saying Kendall and Dejan Edwards will definitely be getting meaningful snaps. The third one's up for grabs. I think we'll probably have a, we had a third guy for most of last year. Right. I think we'll have a third guy. I think that's the spot that's open. Right.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. And again, once Branson gets back, then it'll be Branson Kendall and and Dejan Edwards probably unless one of these other guys, Andrew Paul or Roger Robinson, just like completely wows people in fall camp, which could happen. I mean, running back is a position where a true freshman can make an impact right away. We've seen that over and over again, even in Georgia's history. So it's not out of the question, but I wouldn't say it's likely right now. But let's uh, let's say Branson is is still going to be out for a while. I don't know what that situation would be like. A lot of uncertainty there. So I'm going to say Kendall, Dejan, and Roger Robinson. And that's and I, the only reason I don't say Andrew Paul is because I just again it's it's like with Branson the the uncertainty with the injury. I don't know. It certainly possibly can find himself in that rotation. I just need to see it before I, I buy into that because you just don't know with these ACLs coming off that that kind of injury. All right, Curtis, let's move on to the tight end position. Brock Bowers is a given. We know this. Don't need to waste our breath on that. The far more interesting and I think competitive battle is for that number two tight end spot between sophomore Oscar Delp and freshman Lawson Lucky. Delp, by all accounts, had a really solid spring. I I didn't have anyone that I know around the program tell me, say anything remotely negative about Oscar Delp. He's a big time prospect in his own right. And I, I really like Oscar Delp. But Lawson Lucky really started making waves, basically from like the second he stepped on campus. Like you were hearing things about him in in like winter workouts before he even got to spring practice. So, Curtis, I'm really intrigued by this battle. How do you see this battle between Delp and Lucky for the number two tight end spot playing out over the course of fall camp?
1: Um, I still think I believe that Delp's going to win the job, but I still think that also that lucky will get a lot of playing time he may not be the number two guy but i think he's going to get a lot of playing time
0: i think Delp is a safe bet here right
1: yeah i mean he's a safe bet um but lucky's versatility is the one thing that makes it an interesting competition
0: i was really encouraged by what i heard and saw from oscar and the limited snaps i saw him i guess you know g-day is really all, all i got to see with my own two eyes but I'm really encouraged by what I, what I heard and what I also saw my own two eyes backing that up about Oscar really taking strides as a blocker. And that's that was really encouraging because that's something that, you know, all tight ends. I mean, even Brock as a freshman had to work on that. I mean, he was willing, which so was Oscar, which is all you can ask for. But the reality is no, not, none of these guys are going to be Darnell Washington. We know this, right? Like that's that's, that's just reality but we don't, they don't have to necessarily be Darnell. Like we can fit our offense to the guys that we have on Hanley's. That's Mike Bobo's charge. That's what he needs to be doing. That's what he will be doing, but we need Oscar to be a good blocker. And I do think he took strides in doing that. We know what he can do as a pass catcher. This guy is tall. He's long. He's athletic. He can absolutely be a weapon in the pass game. I have zero questions about that. It's just a matter of like, are you ready to take that step? as a blocker, because we're going to need somebody like, again, I, don't, he doesn't have to be Darnell Washington, but Brock is going to be the one going out getting a lot of these, a lot of these targets, right? Running all these 100. routes. And of course, Dubs going to r- run routes as well. You know, he's not going to just be exclusively blocking in line. That's not what his game is anyway. We'll kind of fit the offense around the guys we have, as I said, but he's going to have to really, really contribute more in the blocking game this year. And I do think he made strides there. So I think the fact that he was in the system last year helps him there, but lucky is good, man. Lucky is very, very good. I do think he's physically maybe more equipped. At least he, like compared to like, well, I guess, you know, Delp's, Delp's a sophomore now. Compared to where Delp was as a, as a true freshman, where Lucky is a true freshman, I think Lucky's was more equipped as a blocker to co- coming into college. But, you know, Delp does have an extra year in the strength program. I think Lucky's going to make a run for this, Kurtz. I really do, but I'm with you. I think Delp's probably going to be the guy with that year of experience. And, and again, also a really talented guy in his own right. That's gonna hold Lucky off, but I also would agree with you. I think Lucky is going to get more than his fair share of snaps. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't think being number the first, you know, being the, the first guy behind Brock is gonna still get him 75% of those snaps. No.
0: Like I could see honestly where like Delp is the starting, like the I guess you're not necessarily a starting number two tight end. Let's say if we opened a game in 12 personnel, I could see Delp going out there with Brock as the as the first two tight ends, right? But I could also see some, some somewhat of a rotation between Dope and Lucky. you think that's out of the question?
1: Not at all. I mean, the, I, can, I can see it very similar to how we've handled the running back situation before. Yeah.
0: Like almost a series by series thing. I mean, that, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't have any insight into that. No one's told me that. But I also like, know both these guys are really good. And we want to get both these guys on the field. And, and maybe you work in a rotation like that to some degree. I don't know. It'll be something to watch. What about Pierce Sperling, Kurt, real quick? So, a guy that another really highly rated tight end coming out of high school, um, out of the state of Florida, was banged up and was hurt out for the spring. He's going to be back for fall camp. Can, can he work himself into this rotation?
1: I think that he's going to be the one that it's very similar to what we saw with Delp last year. Just he may get a few snaps, but I think missing the spring is really going to be what holds him back.
0: Yeah, I don't I I think long term he's going to be a really good player. He's a really talented guy, super long. He I mean, basically all, he essentially played receiver in high school. Like he was a tight end playing receiver. So he's got great receiving skills. Maybe outside of Brock, maybe the best receiving skills of of the, of the other of the, of the other the trio outside of Brock. But you're right, missing Spring I just think he's a little bit behind the eight ball here. I'm not going to count him out completely and say he can't work himself in there. But right now, I do think it's pretty clear that Delp and Lucky have the edge. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, I mean, we'll certainly watch throughout the, throughout the fall and, and see if Sperlin can kind of let that talent shine and and get himself some snaps this season. All right, Curtis, let's keep this offensive train rolling here. Let's go to the wide receiver position. Now, this is, uh, like, this is an interesting position because there's some things that we do know but there's also a lot of questions that still have to be answered at the wide receiver spot. I think there's some opportunities for players to earn some, some snaps in the rotation. We know that Ladd McConkey is going to play a lot. We know that it's a near certainty that Dominic Lovett will start somewhere likely in the slot. And then after that is pretty damn open. I know that under Todd Munkincurs, we ran a ton of 12 personnel. So we did not always have three wide receivers on the field, but when we do and we are in 11 personnel and we have three wide receivers on the field, Curtis, this season, and I think we might see more of that this year with 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 uh, Darnell Washington moving on. We'll see. But let's say we have three wide receivers on the field, 11 personnel. Who do you project to be the first three to trot out there?
1: Um, I project Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey, and Marcus Roseme jack Saint right now.
0: I, I, I think the, the third one is the – that's the one that's up in the air. I think, like I said, Lad I Dominic, I'm pretty confident those two are going to be out there in, a, in the starting three wide receiver set. You're going with Marcus Rosemey-Jackson at the X. Who would you say is the next closest to pushing for that spot?
1: Um, I'm going to go with uh, Arian Smith. Arian
0: over Rara? Rara Thomas? I think
1: so right now. Just Ra still sh- raw to me.
0: Well, I mean, he was really productive at Mississippi State. I think the fact that he missed the spring, like he wasn't really out there. Missed the spring. the
1: spring and like his history of and drops. He's wrong in our
0: system. We'll say that, right?
1: Yeah. And he has the history of drops. Like, I mean, or that yeah. was his biggest problem.
0: Yeah. He had to have some issues with that. I mean, I will say going from the air raid to our offense is a very different animal. Yeah. Like, it, it, that is the true. language is different. The routes are different. It's just, a, it's a totally different beast. So there is a learning curve there. And while he was here for fall, for spring practice, he wasn't really taking reps for the, for the vast majority of the spring. So that does set him back there. So I think that does give a guy like Marcus Rosemary Jackson, who's been around for a long time, man, and played a lot of football for us. And it's just one of the most unselfish players on the entire team. You know, like he doesn't always get a lot of targets, but he just goes out there and blocks his tail off down in and down out he's just he's just a team player he's a team guy and I love it and I think he made some plays you know last year when he got opportunities and I think he, I think there's more I've said this many times this offseason I think Marcus Rosemary Jackson has more juice in the tank I think there's more he can give us as a receiver I really do believe that he was a big time receiver coming to high school and I do think you know the injury he was coming along as a freshman in 2020 the injury really set him back when his leg fell off but he's back. And I don't know if he's ever quite recovered that form. I thought he got closer to getting back to that form as the season went on last year than he than we saw in 2021. So I'm hopeful maybe he has a step he can take this year in that regard. One more name I'm gonna throw at you here, Kurt. Dylan Bell.
1: Oh, I believe Dylan Bell can, but I just it coaches
0: love this guy. They love yeah. him.
1: He's actually gonna be someone that's hard to keep off the field.
0: Here's the thing with Dylan Bell. He's a physical guy, a lot like Marcus Rosemey-Jackson. Like, he does a really good job in the blocking game. If you play receiver for Georgia, you better learn how to block, and you better be willing to block, and you better do it well. And Dylan and Marcus both do that really well. And, Kurt, let's not forget, Dylan started multiple games for us last year. I think he actually started, like, five games for us last year as a true freshman who didn't even come to campus until the summer. He wasn't here for spring practice last year. So that tells you right there, what the coaches think of him now? Was he a major factor in the passing game last year? No, he wasn't. But again, true freshman, they got here in the summer, and you have a guy like Brock Bowers out there getting all the snaps and all the, all the touches. You got Lab McConkey, but Dylan made some plays. We got opportunities, and I think Dylan can be a, a really good receiver for us. I think right now, honestly, for me, I think the exposition is a battle between Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, and Dylan Bell. That's what I think, and I don't know who's going to win that. I really don't. I, I really like both those guys. I think they're really similar. I think Marcus, I think I think Marcus receiving skills a little bit better, but I mean, Dylan can, Dylan can play, man. He can absolutely play. So those are two I'm watching there. I know Ra Ra, the big transfer from Mississippi State, was a leading receiver last year. A lot of people just assumed he was in a start. Again, missing spring. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, he's got the talent and he's got the experience in the SEC, but it's again, a different offense, missed the spring. I think he'll be in the rotation. I don't think he's in a start. I think Arian Curtis, you're right. I'm very intrigued to see where Arian Smith plays. Is he going to play like the Z? He's going to play in the slot as a Y. I think that bears some watch. I think he's more going to be a guy backing up Lad McConkey at the Z. I think he'll be in the rotation. But yeah, I, I think right now I'd probably lean Dominic Love at Lab McConkey and uh, Rosemary Jack Saint. But watch out for Dylan Bell. Who do you think, besides those three curves, who would you say is going to be in the regular rotation?
1: Ooh. Oh, is this where we can now put Dylan Bell and Rahra? Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, we you got those three guys that that we, that we think are gonna start.
1: Yeah. So then but you like have, we, we
0: know we we rotate a lot of receivers. So who's gonna be in that regular rotation?
1: You'll see rah rah, you'll see Dylan Bell. Um Arian, if he's not the guy. Um
0: I think it stops there.
1: Yeah, it really does. I mean, I think Tyler Williams will be good, but he's gonna need a little bit more time.
0: Yazid Haynes is another guy that I love, and I know the coaches really are high on this guy. He's a, he's a playmaker, man. Um, I I honestly, I mean, I like Tyler Williams long-term. Because he's got, he's got the body, but Yazid Haynes is like, he's lightning fast, man. He's an electric receiver, but I just don't know. I mean, I don't right now. maybe he's going to wow everybody in, in fall camp, but right now, I mean, he's not gonna play over Love. He's not gonna play over Ladd right now. He's not gonna, probably not gonna, he's not gonna play the X. He's not gonna play over Marcus. I don't think he's gonna play over Rara. I don't think he's gonna play over Arian. I don't think he's gonna play over Dylan. So like, if, I think those are the six, right? Yeah. And then if there's injuries, then you start to get to guys like potentially Yazid Haynes, maybe um, maybe Tyler Williams, like you mentioned, another true freshman, maybe a guy like Jackson Meeks, who's kind of like a, a guy who's just there, but it's not probably going to factor in outside of something like that. Denial Morris said those kind of guys, but I, I see those guys like tier three, right?
1: Yeah. I agree with that.
0: Yeah. So tier one for me would be Dominic Ladd. Marcus, Marcus Rosemead, Jackson, Slash, Dylan Bell, Tier Two, probably Raw, Raw, Arian, then Tier Three is everybody else, pretty much for me. All right, Kurt, let's move on to the offensive line. Let's do one more position here on the offensive side of the ball before we move on to defense. So the offensive line, Curtis, is pretty stacked, man. Um, after finishing as the runner-up for the Joe Moore Award, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's annually awarded to the best offensive line in America. We finished the runner-up for that award to Michigan each of the last two seasons. Uh, last year, I think we might have gotten robbed there, but whatever. But we do return four starters from last season's uh, t- last season's college ball playoff. Now, we know that Marius Mims did not start all season long, but he did start the college playoff games. And three of those four turning stars had been named to the preseason all-SEC first team. And the other one, Xavier Trust, being named to the second team. So before we get to that one vacant spot, Curtis, which is the left tackle spot, the most important spot on the offensive line, we know that Kirby, again, has instilled a culture of competition within our entire program. Like, that's a big part of what we do. So technically, I guess, nobody's job is safe. So do you see any of those four returning starters from the college football playoff getting passed by someone else on the depth chart during fall camp? Like, is there any chance of that? I don't see it. No, I don't either. I do not. Let me ask you this. Who would be the most vulnerable of those four returning stars from the college football playoff?
1: Probably Xavier trust.
0: It's gotta be right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cedric Van Praen is not getting replaced. I mean, that's just simply not happening. Um, I think the world of Tate Rattledge. I think him back. You talk about guys coming back from you know, a full year move from injury. That's Tate Rattledge this year. We saw what he was able to do towards the end of last year once he was like really fully recovered from that Liz Frank injury. I think he's going to have a monster year. It would not shock me if Tate Rattledge had a good enough year that could merit him getting some conversation, like potentially a first-round draft in the NFL draft. I think that highly of him when he's healthy. Marius Mims, you know, you guys know how we feel about him. We think he's a first-round talent at right tackle. So, I mean, I think Xavier Trust is good. I think Xavier Trust really got better as last season went on. But if there's somebody who could possibly pass on the offensive line that's, that's one of those incumbent returning starters, I would say it's him, but I still think that's highly unlikely. All right, so we don't think anyone is getting supplanted. So that leaves us with one spot on the offensive line, which again, of course, is the left tackle position that was manned by Broderick Jones a year ago. Broderick off to the NFL, number 14 overall pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, actually getting some first-team reps already. So that's the only spot, Curtis. And through the spring, it was really a two-man competition. There were two guys that emerged, redshirt freshman Ernest Green, and redshirt junior Austin Blasky. Green got the start in the spring game, but those guys are battling it out all spring long. So how much of a push, Curtis, do you think Blasky is going to make this fall for that left tackle spot?
1: I actually think he's going to keep making a strong push. Um, I think... You know, we have to remember Ernest Green missed a lot of last year after he elected to have surgery. So he is working himself back from that and back stuff
0: is scary, man. Anyone any of y'all out there have had back injuries, you know what I'm talking about. It freaking sucks. You just never know. Can flare up whenever.
1: And especially, you know, the you know, the weight those guys play at. Like, yeah, you cannot take that lightly.
0: No, not at all. I mean, I think green is the more physically gifted option, right?
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I mean, he, he is. He clearly is like, he's a better athlete. He has better feet, those kind of things. But here's what Blasky's got. Blasky's a freaking animal, okay? Like this dude is just an old school throwback, nasty offensive lineman that wants to hurt you. And I know that sounds like oh my god, we don't want, yeah, you you want your offensive lineman to want to hurt people, like you want Ben Jones out there, right? Like you want guys that are just nasty and just want to destroy the opponent, and that's what Austin Blasky is. We've talked about this several times with the, the the wrestling background, like state champion caliber wrestling background, which I always love at offensive lineman because that means you're tough as freaking nails, and that's what Austin Blasky is. And I was shocked. You know, we talked about this during the spring. I was shocked during the spring when it emerged. Like, I was getting some more from from coming out of camp. That I was like, hey, dude, like, this guy is actually like, you know, he, he's playing well. I'm like, okay, I, all right. I mean, I, that doesn't shock me he's playing well. What shocked me was that he was playing well at left tackle. I did not see that coming at all. We talked about that several times during in the spring. But, again, like, this is a guy that, as a wrestling, as a former wrestler, he might not be as athletic as Ernest Green, but you, you, like, you don't see unathletic wrestlers, right?
1: No, you don't. Or not don't successful ones.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not, not good ones. And he was a good one. So this guy's a good athlete in his own right. He moves really well in his own right. Just, you know, Ernest Green, I think, is a slightly better overall athlete. But I, I'm with you. I think Austin Blasky has a real shot to make this an interesting competition. I do not think it's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination that Ernest Green is going to just automatically win that job, even though he started G-Day. I don't think this competition is close to over. I think it's going to carry through most of fall camp. And uh, whoever ends up winning it, you know, that's fine. I think both guys are going to play and play a lot, right?
1: I agree with that, too.
0: Yeah, I think, like, we saw a rotation at right tackle last year with Amarius Mims and Warren Clinton. I think you might see that rotation at left tackle this year. I think you very well might. And, I mean, what what are the chances that we see a Marius Mims maybe move over to the left, Curtis? Is that on the table?
1: It doesn't seem like it, but, I mean, that— yeah, It doesn't seem like it. It would have made the most sense, but it just doesn't seem I, like I'm it. I'm
0: not going to discount it completely, but you're right. It doesn't, like, we haven't heard anything of that— regard and i mean he exclusively worked at right tackle pretty much in the spring right so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't i don't think that's going to happen i wouldn't completely say it's impossible right now i think that the focus that left tackle is earnest green and austin Blasky, and that's gonna be one hell of a competition man i think both those guys uh, are capable of manning that spot and playing it well and that's why i do think whoever wins whoever loses it both guys are gonna end up playing quite a bit all right that was the offense now let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball And uh, man, we are losing some some key players, dude. We are Jalen Carter gone, Chris Smith gone, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal gone, Keely Ringo for better or worse gone. But we do also return seven starters from the national championship game against TCU, and we feature six players on the preseason All SEC first team for whatever that's worth. And this is obviously, once again, Kurt, it's going to be one of the most talented defenses in the country. Like, that's just how it's going to be every year, pretty much, with Kirby Smart here. But there are some spots that are far from settled heading into fall camp. And I want to start with the defensive tackle spot, the three-tech defensive tackle position that Jalen Carter manned last season, because I think this is one of the most important positions on this team coming into this year. I have been very open over the years, Kurt, with my opinion that, I mean, the key to our entire run, really, over the past two seasons has been our ability to stop the run with even numbers in the box. Like that's been the key to our defense. And when I say that, I know I've got some questions over the offseason. Like, what, what do I mean when I say that? What I, what I mean when I say we're able to stop the run with even numbers is that when there are five blockers, we can stop the run with five defenders in the box. When there are six blockers, we can stop the run with six defenders in the box and don't need to roll extra bodies down and like take them out of coverage. It just, it keeps us structurally sound and allows us to really limit explosive plays through the air and I think that's a huge part of our defensive success like the most critical part of our defensive success in fact and Kurt I don't know man Like, I think this is one of the biggest questions on the entire team I really do like if we don't win national title this year it might well be because we aren't as dominant on the defensive line like that's a concern for me so give me your take on this three tech position curse what will it look like this year please make me feel better about this
1: um, I mean, I'm under the belief that it's going to be more Warren Brinson and uh, stack Stackhouse.
0: So Nas played primarily the zero tech, the shade nose guard. You think he's going to slide over place him in three for us?
1: It wouldn't shock me because I mean, it's just he could be, I think he could give us the same versatility that Jalen Carter could do, where you could kind of move him around and he could be successful and challenge wherever.
0: Yeah, I mean, he showed me enough athleticism to think he could he could fit that three-tech spot at times. I just, like, if we move him there, I don't know who plays the zero-tech nose. Like, I don't know who plays that shade position. I think he's the, I mean, Christian Miller could at times. He does something a little bit different. But I think Nozzle primarily probably, I mean, I could be wrong here, man. I, I think he'll probably stick, because he was so good at that spot last year for us. I think he was, and that's same. the only reason
1: I see them, because they know the value of him playing there. But, I mean, yeah. it's, especially with these freshmen, you don't, you can't rely on them to come in and try to play that zero-shade.
0: No, 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 no. I, I mean, not big snaps. Like Maybe you can give him a breather here or there. What about, okay, let's, you mentioned Warren Brinson. I'm really intrigued by Warren Brinson because I think this guy is um, really, really dynamic in his explosiveness at the defensive tackle spot, but he's not as big and powerful as, say, like a Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not as strong into the run, but I think he does give us something to rushing the passer that, we really, I mean, Jalen Carr was awesome in the past. I mean, he was a freak. He was a different guy. Probably the best player in the NFL draft last year. Just happened to go number nine for whatever reasons. Um, but I do think Warren Brinson could be a guy to really watch. You know, I don't think he's getting talked about enough. Like, what do you see in Warren Brinson's game that gives you reason to believe that he could be that guy for us at the three-tech?
1: I think, I mean, you see all the plays he makes in the passing game. I think that's the one thing that always jumps out at you is he just finds a way to create pressure. He is disruptive, right? Yeah, he is very disruptive. I think that's a good way to put it.
0: And that's the thing. Now, is he as strong against the run as some of those other guys we've had at that spot? I don't think so. It doesn't mean he's not good against the run. He's good against the run. But he's not like, you know, Jalen Carter or Devontae Wyatt good against the run. Um, he's just not as big as those guys. But, like, you, you can compensate for that a little bit with his disruptiveness. Like, I I really think if we allowed, like, it's we always say good coaching is about molding your scheme around the talent you have on hand, right, your personnel. And the reality is, a guy like Warren Brinson is not the same player as Devontae Wire, the same player as J- Jalen Carter. He's a guy that I think – I know we traditionally like more two-gapping. We've gone to more one-gap stuff and allowed them a little bit more freedom of late. But I, I think, like, you got to – if you're going to put Warren Brinson in there, and I think he'll play a lot for us at that spot, I really would like to see us allow him to one-gap a little bit more because that's where he's at his best. Like, he's not a guy that's going to sit there and just stone, stone the offensive lineman in front of him and, and two-gap. Consistently, I'm not saying he can't do that from time to time. Yeah, but like not against some of the best offensive line in the country, but as a one-gap guy where he can like use that quickness and that burst and that explosiveness to be disruptive in the backfield, that's what I think he does well. So I'm very curious, like how do we approach – schematically the defensive front this year. Cause I think we just have some different kind of players up there, but he's a guy I'm really excited to watch for this year. Cause I think he has something else he can give. I think he can take his game to another level. What about Zion Logue? curse? This is a guy this time last year, we were, we were kind of expecting to like, play that zero tech spot, but it was Nas who really did that. And Logue was not as much of a factor for the defensive line last year. I mean, he played a little bit of three tech, played a little bit of five tech at times situationally. Could he be more of a, a factor that in the, on the interior this year? Um, he
1: very well could be because it's kind of he's getting to the point also where it's like now or never.
0: Well, it is now or never. I mean, at this point, I mean, it really is for him. I mean, he's a or senior, right? Remind me if I'm wrong. I, he's a rusher senior, I think. He may be, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he, he might still have the COVID year because the COVID year, like the super senior stuff, still throws me off. I don't. I don't think this is his COVID year. I don't think it is. But he's he's been around for a long time, man. So this might be it for him. Uh, I think he's gonna. He's a really good solid player for us right yeah but zion has not shown me and i I don't mean this like in a derogatory way whatsoever i'm just trying to be objective here and be honest has he shown you that he's anything like remotely approaching a big time elite defensive lineman
1: no he has not
0: he is not he's good he's solid he is but he's just a far cry from what we've had there so that's what i'm talking about that's kind of what concerns me about this position it's like Yeah, we have some guys that I think can do some really good things for us and are solid and have played some good, meaningful snaps for us. But, I mean, Jalen Carter was a wrecking ball for us last year, and I don't know if Zion Logue is that. Um, At least I haven't seen it yet. I hope that he becomes that this year. Um, I just think, like, when you're talking about a guy that's a senior now, a senior, and he hasn't done that through, like, his first four or so years on campus, I think it's a little bit of a stretch at times to just expect him to magically be that guy this year. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I it's think like Joe Bill in Tennessee.
0: Day. It's like he's never been that guy in his entire career, but now Tennessee fans expect him to just magically be that guy.
1: Yeah, they they just – these unreal expectations.
0: Yeah, and I, so I don't want us to be like Georgia fans who are doing the exact same thing just on the defensive line. So I hope that he can become that guy. I just don't know if I am convinced that he can become that guy because he hasn't really done that consistently. Uh, let me ask you about a couple of freshmen, curses. I do think maybe like – we might be in a situation where our best defensive line, like our most talented defensive linemen are true freshmen, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm talking I about think that's fair.
0: Yeah, Jordan Hall and Jamal Jarrett. Do you think? I mean, it's so tough for freshmen. I always say it's so tough for freshmen to be impact players right away on the defensive or offensive lines because it's just a man's game there. Like you're going against 22 year old grown men. You're like an 18 year old boy ish, not boy, but like teenager. Right. So I don't know how much do you expect out of out of Jarrett and Hall this year.
1: I mean, it's hard for me to really write them off though, because we saw Jordan Davis come in and make yeah. an impact as a freshman. Um and Carter Curtis in
0: 2020 as a freshman.
1: Yeah, and when especially when you have two of them where you can rotate them, you're not gonna like we had to rely on just Jordan Davis. We have well, we have two guys that you could potentially rotate and allow them to not overdo it.
0: Yeah, we absolutely do. I I'm not counting them out. In fact, I'm actually expecting at least one. I think Jordan Hall. Right now, I would say Jordan Hall over Jamal Jarrett. I could be wrong there. Uh, I think Hall is more physically ready right now. I think he's he's just an animal. Like, he's just a big, strong dude. I I have high expectations for him. I think Jordan Hall is the next great Jordan defensive lineman. I do believe that. Um, we'll see if he can, I mean, how quickly that he can get himself ready, like just from a knowledge standpoint and a technique standpoint and just a trust standpoint. Can you get to the point where the coaches trust you? Cause they're not going to put you out there. They don't trust you. Right. Cause we yeah. do have, we have a bunch of guys that they're not Jalen Carter. They're not Devonte Wyatt, but a bunch of guys who play a lot of football for us, and they, and the coaches know, at least they know they can trust them. They know these guys know what to do and they're not going to, you know, you're, you're not, you're supposed to be in a three tech and they're sitting there playing a four eye. And they screw up the run fits, and now we get gashed for a thirty-yard gain. Like they trust these guys to not do that. So can Jordan Hall earn that kind of trust, or Jamal Jarrett? I mean, I'm, Jamal can certainly do that too. But again, I think Jordan's the guy I'm watching. Um, I thought I saw some good things from him at G day. I heard some really good things about him coming out of fall camp. And not to say I didn't hear things about Jamal Jarrett. I think he's gonna be a really good player for us too. I've always thought like Jamal Jarrett might be more of that zero tech guy. To be honest, uh, that's just and he could. I think he's athletic enough to play the three but I, I see him more as a zero personally. So I think those guys are going to have to play for us this year, Kurtz. I really do. I really do. Okay. Like if we're going to have a, if we're going to end up having a dominant defensive lineman at that three tech spot, it's going to be one of those two guys. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to be ready. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I don't know. Last guy I want to mention here, Kurt, before we move on um, Christian Miller. So he came in last year. Um, he, he, Redshirt. Didn't really play at all last year. We know that Bear Alexander was the guy. He he came in with Bear Alexander. I was really high on Christian Miller coming out of uh, high school as well. He redshirt. He was just wasn't quite ready. But he showed me something. I know it's just a very small sample size of G-Day Curtis. But what kind of role do you see for him potentially in this defense? I could see...
1: It's hard to say. I think I could see him potentially getting roll or some snaps at the three T te- three tech, but I also see him also at the five tech. Um, similar like what we saw see with Tremel Tremel Walthauer.
0: Yeah, okay. So I'm really intrigued by Christian Miller. Again, love the guy coming to high school. Really, I think he's a really, really good football player. I think he has a lot of positional versatility. I think you're right. I think he could play the three tech. I think he could slide out situationally against teams that like to run the ball a bit more. And you want to get heavier at the five tech. I think he could play that spot Like against Kentucky last year, for example. I was just rewatching that game. We didn't really play Michael Williams much at the 5 Tech, at least um, really only on passing downs. He kind of moved inside. We played Jamel Walthour, and we played Zion Logan at the 5 Tech. Why did we do that? Because Kentucky likes to run the football, right? So we want to get heavy against that kind of offense. So I can see a situation where you do that with Christian Miller this year. I really do, because I think he's a good athlete there. I also think, and actually, I mean, we, we saw him do this at G-Day, Curtis. He was playing zero-tech nose guard which kind of blew my mind because he's very different like in terms of his body type than what we've seen at that position really ever under Kirby smart. Like we had John, John Atkins, you got Jordan Davis, you got I was from about big space eating bodies. Right. And I love Christian Miller. Christian Miller is not a big space eating body. The comp that I keep giving people when I talk about Christian Miller is Tyler Clark. He is Tyler Clark. That's his body type. And that's his, that's what he is. That's who he is. I mean, that's, that's the kind of player this guy is. Tyler Clark didn't play zero tech for us. He was an awesome three tech guy for us. I always felt Christian Miller was going to play three tech for us. But at G-Day, he was playing a lot of nose. So I don't know. It's kind of like maybe it's a, you know, you have like change of pace running backs, right? Like you have the, you know, you have a big bruiser and then you bring in like the, the, the quicker guy, you know, the scat back kind of thing. But maybe we have like a change of pace, zero tech nose guard. Like, is that a possibility? It could be. Like where you have this guy who's more quick and more disruptive, like going again, go back to like, do we run more uh, one gap stuff to allow him to use this quickness like we would maybe with Warren Brinson. So I think he's a guy that can play all three of those positions. And I think he's certainly going to have a role for us this year. I really like him, man. I'm, I'm very interested to see where he ends up playing for us. I think he's a guy that you talk about a guy that could be a really disruptive force for us, which so is what we need. Cause that's what we're going to be missing with Jalen Carter. I think Christian Miller has a chance to be that kind of guy for us. I'm really, really high on him. All right, Kurt. Let's move along here. Let's go. Uh, let's go to the Jack outside linebacker position. So we all know. I mean, Kurt Snow, Seaguard, defense has been dominant, and that's really been like what spearheaded our run to back-to-back national titles. But as we as we did an entire episode a couple of weeks ago, like areas we can improve on. And one of the areas we talked about, one of the most obvious areas of improvement would be a natural pass rush. That's been one of the longstanding issues with our defense. And now we've got Noah Smith, who is gone. Robert Beale is gone. Adam Anderson um, has been gone. So we return this year, Curtis, one player with any sort of experience at the Jack position in junior Jack, Chaz Chambliss. And I mean, yeah, Curtis, he did improve as the season went on. I want to give him credit there. But Chaz's play was still, it's still very much left something to be desired. I think to say the least. So, to Kirby and Chidera Uzo de credit, they have gone out, Curtis. They have addressed that deficiency in the last few recruiting cycles. So, there is talent there. The thing is, it's just so young and so inexperienced. So, let me ask you this about the Jack position, Curtis. Does Chaz Chamis open the season as the starter at Jack?
1: I believe he does, yes.
0: I think you're probably right. Based on experience, and I know the coaches love the way that, that Chaz works. He's a leader on the team, and he's just a dude that just does what you ask him to do. And Kirby loves that. He respects that. I agree with you. I think at least week one against Tennessee Martin, Chaz Chamis will, will start that game. But let me ask you this next. Does Chaz Chamus end the season as the starter at Jack?
1: I don't think he does.
0: I agree with you. I think he'll still play a role. I think he'll rotate. I don't know if he's going to be the guy at that position that sees the majority of the snaps once we get late into the season. So, now that we've established that you and I, I you and I agree on that, who are the bigger the biggest threats in your mind to steal time at that position?
1: Um, I think Marvin Jones Jr. The more the season goes on, it hurt him missing the spring.
0: Yeah, I'm glad he's back. He's cleared from the shoulder from the labor injury, but that cost him a lot of time.
1: Yeah, and that's who I think will be a, one of the major people to challenge for it. Um, but also, I mean, you have to look at Derek Smith. I think that if he can continue to grow, and which I think going into the season he can, he's someone that could challenge it just because his versatility and his athleticism.
0: Yeah, he's a really interesting prospect. I mean, he's a really tall, long guy, really athletic guy. Um, And he he needed to put on some weight once he he got here. That's why he didn't play much last year. But it looked like in the spring, he put on some weight. I think he still needs to put on more weight, but he's getting there. He gives us a little bit of a different body type, a little bit of a different player at that position. And he got a lot of reps at G-Day and all throughout the spring. There's a lot of these guys, you know, so much youth, man. So much youth. And again, like you mentioned, Marvin Jones Jr. was, was out for the spring. Jalen Walker was out for the spring. So I'm really excited about Darius Smith. I think he's a really good athlete, and I know the coaches like him. So I think he's going to factor in the competition. Certainly, it'd be a big factor in the competition. So we got three true freshmen, Curtis, that we are all really, really high on. Like all three top 100 guys coming out of the high school ranks. Of those three guys, you got Damien Wilson and Pimba Samuel and Pimba and Gabriel Harris. Of those three guys, who do you see is most likely to maybe push for some playing time there?
1: I like I I really think Damon Wilson, I, but I do think it's between him and Samuel Pimba
0: I like all three of them, man. Like it's so it's such hard the question for
1: all, me to answer. It, They're all three so good. It really is actually just kind of like just picking randoms.
0: Yeah, it's like I mean I think Damon Wilson. Lo- I mean all we saw was G Day, right? I think Damon Wilson looked the best of the three at G Day, but I mean they all look good. I mean we're like like I don't know, man. We're we're splitting hairs here this is the interesting thing about that position of course you know once upon a time you know go back 10 years ago you know when we ran you know Kirby Smart running a 3-4 we had like two of the, we had two outside linebackers on the field pretty much all the time right that doesn't happen anymore like we we have one outside like we are so rarely in our base 3-4 we rarely have two outside linebackers on the field at one at a given time by right? Sam and a Jack right so we pretty much just have a Jack on the field and so it limits the number the amount of reps these guys can get because there's just not as much playing time because we're out there with a with a star db more often than we are with a with a fourth linebacker so it's going to be interesting to see how this rotation works out and i do think there's certainly going to be a rotation there at least until somebody emerges as like the guy but i I agree with you i think damon wilson be the guy of, of the true freshman i kind of point out and say i think he's got the most athleticism the highest upside is he ready right now i don't know i don't know if any of them are but it wouldn't shock me, like you said. It wouldn't shock me if it's in Pimba. It wouldn't shock me if it's Harris. I think Harris is the one people don't talk about as much. I think he's a really good player. I like him a lot. They have, they're have they going to have every opportunity, man. They're going to have every opportunity because, I mean, youth and experience is the rule. Like, it's not going to hold them back. You know what I mean? Because everybody else, everyone else except for Chaz is young and inexperienced. So I think they're going to have a shot there. I'm very curious to see what we get out of Marvin Jones Jr. You know, he was a, a five-star guy who got late in, this, in the 2022 cycle who is a really, really good football player. And he played some last year. He was dealing with injury. Obviously had the labrum surgery, which, you know, sent him back. He couldn't work out for a while or couldn't really do heavy lifting, upper body stuff for a while. So sent him back from a strength standpoint, missed the reps in spring practice, all that hurts him. But he's talented, right? So, yeah, there's
1: no question about that. I mean, you saw it at the times he did get on the field.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we, we know the guy's talented. We know he's explosive. and I think he can give us more of a natural pass rush. Here's the cool thing, Curtis. I think whoever gets in this rotation outside of Chaz, really does have a chance to upgrade our natural pass rush. You know what I mean? I think all those guys can do that, whether it's Marvin Jones Jr., whether it's Darius Smith, whether it's any of the freshmen, you know, Damon Wilson, Gabriel Harris, and Pimba. Like, any of those guys can certainly give us more rush in the pasture than what we've seen in recent years. I really do believe that. So that's great. The talent is there. It's just the experience factor. We'll see. And I will say some of the positions, curse that maybe, you know, the, the slow, the easy schedule, easier schedule to open the season kind of helps us get those guys some reps and get some confidence built up there. So I don't know. I think this is, honestly, I think this is wide open. I do agree that Chaz by virtue of just being like the de facto returning starter will open the season as a starter and game one against UT Martin. I am skeptical at, as to whether he will finish the season as a starter. I think there's just so much talent behind him. Chaz will play. But his other guys are, are really good as well. CJ Madden, Kurt, is another name to throw out there. He's another guy in this 2022 class, didn't play a lot, redshirted. He's a guy that I, I'd watch for. I heard some good things about him coming out of fall camp. Didn't see much out of him at G-Day, but he was out there, which is another name to throw out there. He's a guy that I think could maybe factor in, because all these guys, again, are young and inexperienced. Um, all right, Kurt, a couple more here real quick. Uh, let's go to the five-tech position. Michael Williams led the team in sacks last year, but he did not start at five tech for most of the season. I don't think people really realize that. He did not start that spot most of the year. He was used primarily, as, especially as the season went on, situationally as a pass rusher. It was Tremel Walthauer and even Zion Logan times that received most of the standard down work at five tech. So real quick on the five tech position, Curtis, how do you see that battle playing out heading into week one? Does Michael Williams become more of an every down player at that spot?
1: I think he does, yes. I think he's going to be the guy that is on the field the majority of the time
0: i i think so too i think the coaches wanted that last year See, he he played more in that role in standard downs early in the year but he wasn't great against the run because he's a freshman you know what i mean again freshman in the trenches is tough but he's a great pass rusher that's why we kept him on the field situationally in those in those circumstances but this year i expect a lot more out of him he was banged up a little bit during the spring. Um, he's got a full year in the weight program. We know how this guy works. The coaches love him. They worry about his work ethic and his attention to detail, all those things. I always say, like, when you have natural talent, you have the, the work habits like that, you match them together, that's how you get greatness. I think Michael Williams can be a great Georgia football player. I truly do believe that. Question is, is it going to be this year? I think there's a really good chance that's going to be the case. I really do believe in Michael Williams. I think he will start at that spot. I think Trumel will play. Here's the thing, Curse. Like Trumel Walthour is a really good, serviceable player for us. Like he plays the run well. Coaches trust him, but he's limited athletically. Michael is not <laughs> limited athletically, to say the least. So he's just more of a dynamic threat out there. And you want dynamic playmakers out there, especially like when you're losing a guy like Jalen Carter you want as many dynamic playmakers on the field along your defensive front as you can possibly get. And Mikel Williams is that. Tremel Walthauer, appreciate the guy. He ain't that, right? He's just not. Michael is. I think mean, ideally the coaches want him to be that guy almost down and down out and have like Tremel and Zion and, and maybe mention Christian Miller, maybe have those guys spell him from time to time, but Mikel be that guy. I'm hopefully going to be that guy. I think he will be that guy. That's my projection. We'll see, but I'm with you. I'm I'm going to project that he is going to be that guy. Um, Let's move the inside linebacker real quick here, Curtis. We know who the stars will be once everyone is healthy. We know it's going to be Pop Dumas Johnson. We know it's going to be Smile Munden. We know this. But there is, as we've mentioned several times past couple weeks, Curtis, a very real possibility that Smile Munden misses a few games to open the season. So if that's the case, Curtis, we're not hurting for options, which is great. But who emerges as the starter? Next to pop to open the season, if Munden cannot go,
1: uh, my money is on Xavier Sulry. Totally. Agree. I mean, you saw it in spring game, and I felt like he was all over the field making plays.
0: I think people forget how big of a recruit this guy was a couple years ago. Like, he's a big time, big time five star dude. And I've said it many times on the show, my thing with him coming to high school is like, where does he play? Because he was kind of a tweener. Like, does he play edge? Does he play jack? Does he play inside linebacker? He could play either one. Kind of just depends on what you, what you, what he wants to do, what you want him to do how his body grows. And the first year or so, he was kind of going back and forth there. Well, now he has settled inside linebacker. And let's also not forget, like he was in the third down package to open last season. He kind of fell out of that role. and went to Jalen Walker as the season progress. But Xavier Ansori is a freaking talented football player. And I'm with you 100% here. He was the guy at G-Day. I fully expect him to be the guy next to Pop if uh, Smile cannot go to open the season. And I'm very confident in Xavier Ansori if that is indeed the case, and that's how it rolls out. I'm very, very confident in him. I don't think we'll miss too much there whatsoever. So I'm with you there. Who else? So let's say if, if Smile – when – when so he will come back. When Smile comes back, who else works themselves into the rotation? So we think it will be Smile and Pop and then Zavian Sori and, and probably one more guy. Who's that guy that's going to work himself into like some actual meaningful playing time?
1: Mm. I'm actually going to go with one of the freshmen like CJ Allen.
0: I think – yeah, I think the answer is one of the freshmen. And God, this room might be the best room in the, in the entire team, Curtis. It really, it might be, man. I, that room is so stacked. You can't count on EJ lightsy He played for us a, a good bit at G Day and did some really good things. And he's a guy that got shot, and I was he was just like a stray bullet, wrong place, wrong time, as a senior in high school, and it was, it was as you can imagine, getting shot. Pretty long recovery, uh, so he didn't really play much last year. But um, he's a guy that played some. In, in a G day and really impressed with the spring. So he's certainly going to be in the conversation. Wouldn't shock me there at all. But I think that guys like C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson, even Troy Bowles, who wasn't here for spring, but his, he's coming in, he's on campus right now, be here for fall camp. I think those guys from a talent perspective are just a different level. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I agree. That's why you just can't, they may be freshmen, but you can't count them out.
0: Yeah, I like E.J. Lightsey. I'm rooting for the guy. I think he'll be good for us. I just... Man, when I watch Raylan Wilson play like that, dude, uh, man, that's a, that's a future first round in the NFL draft. Like that dude is crazy athletic. And so is I mean, CJ Allen's a little bit bigger and maybe not quite as athletic, but he's a really good player in his own right. He like either one of those guys could, could fill that role. And maybe we go like, and maybe we have like a five man rotation because we have so many really good inside linebackers. I don't know if we'll go that deep, we never having the Kirby smart era, but Hey, you know, never say never. But I think those, is going to be one hell of a battle to see who's going to be those two guys behind Smile Munden and Pop Dumas Johnson. And really, again, I, I'm with you. I think Zayvon Soares going to be one of those guys. It's really like that fourth guy. Who's going to be that fourth guy? I think it's going to be one hell of a battle because we have a ton of really, really talented options there. And wait, real quick before we move on here, Curtis, one guy we haven't mentioned yet is Jalen Walker, who is moving back to inside linebacker this year. Now, he'll still be used situationally on third downs as more of a pass rusher, which is what he did for us last year. But this guy was a five-star inside linebacker in the 2022 class. It was just tough for him to crack the lineup at that position last year because we were so deep, so we got him on the field in different ways as a pass rusher in that third down package. Like Marvin Jones Jr., he did miss the entire spring recovering from a labrum surgery, which I think is really unfortunate because this guy needed those reps at inside linebacker if he is indeed going to move back there full time. Yeah, he got mental reps, but that certainly doesn't take the place of actual physical reps, so I don't know where he's going to be from a developmental standpoint because he did miss that time. But let's make no mistake about it. This dude is one hell of an athlete. And I think he's gonna have his say in this battle. I think he's certainly gonna end up being a factor. I just want to throw his name in there real quick. I think it would be a mistake to dismiss him at this point. All right, real quick, Curtis. Secondary, we know, uh, we know Kamari Laster is gonna have one of those cornerback spots. But the other spot left vacant by Keeley Ringo's departure to the NFL is wide open, man. Dalen Everett was the first guy off the bench last year as a true freshman, but I mean he was pushed, Curtis, all spring. By both Nyland Green and Julio Humphrey, which kind of shocked me. But hey, give the guy credit. Green got the start at G-Day. And I think this is one of the more fascinating position battles because we do have so many talented options here. So in your mind, Kurt, who ultimately emerges from camp with that starting cornerback job? Um, I think
1: it's going to be Dalen Everett. Uh, I think that you saw it last year. And I, it, is, it is a very um, intense competition right now. I just still think he's going to be the better player.
0: I agree. And here's the thing. It's hard for us to project because we haven't seen that much in these guys. You know what I mean? Like, like none of them have really played all that much. I mean, Dalen played a little bit last year. They didn't really see much from Island Green. They didn't really see anything at all from Julio Humphrey. So it's just hard for us to really project as we're going off like what they were in high school and at you know different levels of competition. It's just tough. But here's what I, what we can't go off of. We know that last year, as I said, Dalen Everett was like the first guy off the bench of that spot. He was that guy for a reason, right? Like he, the coach thought he was, better than the other guys well the other guys can certainly improve and get better which clearly they did and pushed him but i still think the experience last year and again the fact that he was that guy last year for a reason i think dalen probably i I think some of what we saw in the spring might have been sending him a message a little bit and really just again the culture of competition i think dalen will uh, reassert himself and take that job but i'm not confident saying that because again we haven't seen these guys like we just really haven't seen them so i don't know for sure based off, you know, my reading of the situation, I'm with you. I would put Dalen as the odds-on favorite there, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Nylon Green. It wouldn't shock me if it's Julio Humphrey. And you know what? I don't care who it is. I just want the best guy to play. I think that's one of the more interesting battles. I'll be watching that one very, very closely. I'll be trying to get as much information as I can about that behind the scenes to bring to you guys over the next couple of weeks. And last one, Curtis, uh, the star position. I think the assumption here is that this is Tyke Smith's time, but five-star freshman, Janelle Aguero, is a physical freak, man, who really impressed during the spring. So how much of a chance do you give Aguero to jump Tyke before the first game kicks off in September?
1: There is a strong, I'm not going to say strong chance, but there is a chance that Janelle will jump him. But I do not believe that there's any chance, realistically, bar injury, that he does it in fall practice.
0: Oh, so you think it's more of like an in-season thing? Like when he gets reps, he impresses, and then kind of takes that job. Yeah,
1: if he does, I think that there's a chance he does, but it's going to be later on in the season.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I do think that Tyke, time in the system, and just yeah, you know, what this guy's been through, I do think the co- I do think he's going to get the job to open the season against Tennessee Martin. After all, let's not forget, Tyke Smith was, once upon a time, a third-team All-American at West Virginia. But I'm also with you. I think Jonel Elguero is going to play. I do. I think this guy is way too talented to keep off the field. I don't know if it's gonna be a full on rotation. I don't know how it's gonna play out, but I think he will play. I think he will play meaningful snaps early in the year to try to get him ready and see what this guy can do in real live game action. Like, and that's why you know playing Tennessee Martin and Ball State. Like, we we hate that. It sucks, and no one wants to watch those games. But it enables us to get guys like Janelle Aguero real snaps in meaningful situations early on in games that we're just not gonna lose and see what this guy can do. Like, you know, can you be a guy that can help us? Can you be a guy that we can trust to be the start of that spot? And I think he's going to have a chance. I think he's going to have a chance to prove that. And it would not shock me at all if he takes advantage of that. And at some point in the season becomes that guy. Because he is the future at star for us. The body to be able to fill against the run. Really good athleticism. I mean, this guy is the total package of that spot. I mean, he's five-star for a reason. If you watch the tape, it, it backs up the ranking. So I think Tykee experience will give him the edge to start the season. I agree with you there. But man, Aguero is just physically on a different level than, than Tyke Smith is. So uh we'll see. It's, it's a matter of how quickly does Jonel Aguero get up to speed. That's what it comes down to for me. Because when he gets up to speed and the coaches trust him, it's his job, in my opinion. We'll see. I could be wrong there. Maybe Tyke Smith really has a good year and holds him off. And Tyke's a good player in his own right. We'll see how that plays out. But I would just say watch out for Aguero for sure. And then, of course, safety's not really a competition, at least for the starters. You've got Javon Bullard moving back from star to play safety this year, which I think is a more natural position for him. And, of course, Malachi Starks returning as a sophomore who started every game but the first game last year. The battle there is really more so just about depth and guys who might come in in the, in the money position when we go to our third down packages. And there you're looking at Dan Jackson, who should be fully cleared for fall camp. And of course, David Daniel, who came uh, came in for Dan Jackson last year when he went down with an injury and kind of filled that role for most of the season. But all right, guys, I think that covers everything. I think that's every single position on the team. I told you guys we were going to talk some real football today and I wasn't lying, but that was a lot of fun. And there's a lot more of that type of talk coming here over the course of the next month throughout fall camp leading up to the 2023 football season. Curtis will be back with me in a couple of weeks after the wedding, after the honeymoon. He'll be back here for the lead up to the season. But you guys know I've got you covered. And who knows? We might just maybe possibly have a Charlie sighting one of these days. Who knows? Maybe she'll randomly feel like showing up one day. We'll find out. But there are a couple things I do know. I do know that on our next episode, I will have the Florida Scout and the Enemy episode for you guys. I know that one's been one you guys have been asking for, you've been waiting for. It is coming. It's coming this week. And right now I'm working on the second video for our new YouTube channel. It should be up for you guys by Monday night. That's my plan. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. It's focused on Tennessee and why Georgia is the kryptonite to the Tennessee offense. We know the Tennessee fan base has been talking a lot of trash all offseason long, even though they didn't actually win the game last year, they still have somehow, some way, found a way to convince themselves that they are better than Georgia and that they are the ones that should be talking trash Ugh, It's weird. I don't understand it. They have left orbit. They are in outer space. They are in their own universe. But this video is going to be focused on why Georgia is the one mountain that Tennessee still can't quite seem to get over under Josh Heupel and why that probably isn't going to be changing anytime soon. I'm having a lot of fun making this one. I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So make sure to check that out. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe to the channel. That would be such a huge help to us. I really appreciate it, guys. You are awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who has already done that. But if you haven't, never too late. Jump on it. We have a bunch of content on that YouTube channel for you guys all season long. That's going to be separate from what you get here on the podcast. So you don't want to miss out. I'm going to do some tape breakdown. A lot of great stuff that I just can't really do here. With this audio format. So check that out, guys. Subscribe, like, appreciate you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.